Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, KFC is back as Kentucky Fried Chicken and Ampol is back from the dead. The iconic Australian brand has been tucked away for about 25 years, but in April, one of the biggest brand relaunches in a long, long time was unveiled. I'm old enough to remember the classic Ampol tagline, I'm as Australian as Ampol, although perhaps because I'm old, that doesn't matter. We might have a little conversation around that a bit later. Still, the return of brand Ampol to Australia should serve as a case study for brand owners over the next decade. Thanks to some corporate machinations between the US giant Chevron and the Caltex brand, it's licensed to a listed ASX company, now called Ampol Australia. The current Caltex has become Ampol and Caltex goes back to Chevron. Confused? Don't be. The upshot is that Ampol is back as a big Australian brand. Now, to talk us through the strategy, the plans and how the Ampol rebrand is tracking so far, we have Ampol's Chief Brand Officer, Jenny O'Regan, who's joined by Saatchi and Saatchi's CEO, Anthony Gregorio, Saatchi's National Chief Creative Officer, Mike Spakovsky, and client partner at Ampol's media agency, iProspect, Jason Smith. Looking forward to this one. I'm old enough, Jenny O'Regan, to remember that Ampol tagline from probably 500 years ago, but let's get straight to it. We touched on it in the intro, but why choose the Ampol brand? Why now? And how has the relaunch landed with the public since it kicked in April? Uh, welcome and great to talk to you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Look, as you mentioned in your intro, Ampol's been around for over 80 years. So, um, you know, you may have seen Ampol in some regional centres uh, throughout Australia, but um, it really is an iconic Aussie fuel brand. So it made sense that we would bring it back to roadsides all around Australia. Um, And we've seen a great response from the public so far. So consumers are are really connecting with the brand and are proud to be supporting a homegrown brand that is an Australian icon. We hear lots of stories from uh, from people um, that talk about the good old days and they reminisce about memories of Ampol from road trips they took with their family or, you know, stopping uh, on a long trip as kids. So, um, you know, it's really nice to have that connection. Can I just pull you pull you up for a minute though, uh, Jenny? What point was it the decision made to bring Ampol back? How long ago was that and how long has the process been? December 2019. So, um, right. yeah, it's been about, well, it was about... Less than a year um, from the time that we decided to, to bring Ampol back to the time we broke ground on our first sites with our pilots in Concord and Granville in New South Wales. That's a fairly hectic schedule. So <laughs> we, we, um, we will, we'll unpack some of this uh, as we go through the conversation. But sorry, I interrupted. You were, you were talking about how it's landed so far. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we knew from research that um, there was this latent love with, uh, with customers who do remember it from the good old days. But we've seen that played through uh, with uh, the campaigning market. But pleasingly, we're also seeing that sub-30-year-olds who are being introduced for the brand for the first time are really connecting to the values um, of the brand. And I think, you know, we know that shopping local and local brands um, are really, really important um, to to a new generation of customers. And Ampol gives them that. We're an Australian um, brand and, and people are really connecting to what we represent. 
Well, it's interesting. This distinctiveness um, here versus your competitive set is around Australia's deep Australian heritage. And I think you've got some fuel products that are sort of going that way as well. We might get into a bit of detail on that. Created for the Australian market versus the global alternatives from from, from rivals. Um, you sort of touched on it. Do Australians care? We hear about, you know, Australia, Australia, and we there's a lot of talk. Is there a lot of walk? So in the case of, of Ampol, uh, is it really landing this Australianness? Is it landing uh, across the board? Uh, is there any pockets of resistance um, or are you happy with the fact that it actually is true we want something Australian and local yeah um, I think they do care I think you know we're seeing it not only in our research but in our business results as well and I think you know people really appreciate the technical development of the fuels that was made for Aussie conditions you know we've got a harsh landscape um, right across Australia and our fuels have been specifically developed to be fit for purpose um, so not only does the product deliver in terms of um, being fit for purpose for Australia, but also our brand delivers in terms of its connection to being a, an Aussie icon and, and people really do care. Um, you know, as I said, we know consumers want to support local brands and they are really connecting with Ampol. You know, it's resonating strongly, um, not only in our research, but, but also from a business perspective. And we know that you know, being recognised as an Australian Aussie brand, um, there's also an inherent trust that comes with that and the localisation of your brand. So, yeah, I think that, that Australians do care and I think, you know, we're seeing it um, not only in our results but also uh, in the, the brand recognition and the brand love that's coming out with uh, with this relaunch. Well, t- show us your numbers. What have we got? How is it tracking, Jenny? What what um, is it actually? It's April, I think, you, you launched and, and it was the Saatchi's campaign that sort of spearheaded that. What has happened since in terms of how the brand is landing, um, awareness, consideration, whatever dimensions you talk about? Yeah, so um, look, we've uh, transitioned over 400 stores now. So uh, we've hit a, a really pivotal point um, in our site transition. And, and from a um, brand health perspective, um, we're seeing really, really strong results. So we just had our quarter two brand health uh, debriefed and we're seeing that um, from an awareness and preference perspective, we're tracking ahead of forecast, which is uh, really pleasing to see. Um, and, you know, undoubtedly it's the campaigning market that, that's really driven that. Uh, we have been recognised as the most uh, iconically Aussie brand um, in our industry, which is which is also really pleasing to see. Jenny, do I get to do we get to hear any numbers about how the Ampol brand is tracking so far? <laughs> Look uh, down the down the track, Paul. I'd be happy to share uh, all of the numbers with you. But uh, at this point in time, I think uh, you know really pleasing that uh, we are tracking ahead of forecast, and we're really happy internally with the numbers. But. Uh, we can share those uh, in due course. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, well, yeah. you you will regret your pledge of saying that you will. I'll be back on you for that yeah. one. So, <laughs> Anthony Gregorio, uh, I'm sure you've done some some consumer research of your own, or maybe not, but to unpack how and what Ampol should be presenting and saying to the public but before you, you actually launched, what was the catalyst, I guess, for, for finding Ampol's positioning? It's sort of clearly obvious to some of us like me because I've, I've seen the brand for a long time, but what were the big headwinds you had to be mindful of and what were the triggers there, the catalyst for, for getting to where you got to? Paul, I think that the great thing about this was we had a lot to work with. The the brand itself, as you can see from my hat, you know, it, 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 it was, um, it's a well-loved brand and it's been around, um, to Jenny's point, for 80 years. Obviously, it had been retired for nearly three decades. Um, and when the decision was made to look at the options, um, Ampol was one of a number considered. But it was clear. It was a clear winner um, through research, and and the reason it was a, a clear winner was because of the latent equity that existed in the brand. There was a, a you know, if you're over a certain age, and you and I remember it fondly, um, you you had fond memories of the brand. But for those that are younger that 
didn't uh, remember it was a clean slate. So it worked It worked for us both ways. But importantly, it was recognised as being a an Australian brand. And, and through the research and the, you know, the collective brains that were a part of this, which, you know, and I would, you know, I would say that was a huge team effort. It wasn't uh, uh, Saatchi specific, I prospect, obviously Jenny and her team and, and the research partners, as well as Houston, who did a, who did a lot of the branding work. It was clear that um, a positioning that was uniquely Australian for a tier one fuel brand didn't exist in this country and would play well with an Australian audience. Um, and I think that was, you know, where we landed. We, you know, the, the brand is um, Australian born and it is world class in its delivery of product. And those those elements were the elements that we brought together um, to, to create, you know, to create the comms and, and, and all the work that you see. So was that clear? I mean, I know I'm asking sort of reframing the same question, I guess. But um, was it was there a hunch from from all of you that that was where it was going to go before you had any sort of uh, research or, or, or uh, backup to say, yeah, we're, we've got this right, or did it come out of uh, the work? Oh, no, look, I think there was a very strong feeling that it was a good option. Um, but of course, we did due diligence and 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 we did um, consumer research to back to back that thinking, and and it came out um, it came out to be the winner. So, you know, I think um, you you get it. I think strong marketers always get a sense of where things are going to go, but of course. You, you don't want to rely purely on gut feel and this was way too big a decision to, to not get it validated and, and, you know, that was all done as part of the process. Well, you've been around the block probably about 35 times, um, Ant. Um, how, how does the return of Ampol compare to other big brand projects that you've worked on in your career? Because it's, it's a big one, but you've done some big stuff. It, it is a big one. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna claim that I'm a bit younger than you, Mac. I'm not I'm not 100 sure. We'll we'll check uh, driver's licenses <laughs> later on. Yes. Um, but look, it, it is a big launch, and I I think from a marketing perspective, I don't believe there's been another launch, certainly of this scale in the country, um, with the dynamics that this one has had. And by that I mean, you know. For a, to have a well-known brand that existed in the market for a long time, for it to disappear for three decades, and then for it to be brought back on the scale with which this has been brought back and in the way it has been done, is is a unique um, has been a unique opportunity, and and I think we all knew and felt that as part of the process, and we wanted, you know, which gave us all a little bit more impetus to to make sure that it was as good as it could be. And then when you add over the top of that, the challenges that exist in the category and, and, and you know, as you touched on at the beginning, some of the reasons why this even came about, um, you know, that gave added impetus. And then of course, we're doing all of this in a, in a, in a situation that um, is not ideal in terms of the pandemic, um, meant that you know, it was it was a huge effort, and I'm I'm proud of everyone. You know, the way we've worked, all the partners have worked together. It's been a brilliant collaboration across all the partners, and and we think it's been a fantastic result. The the research scores that um, Jenny was alluding to are, are fabulous, and they're and they're great scores. Well, what are, what are they? Well, I, I <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to give you numbers because Jenny just said she wasn't, so that would be that would be uh, career limiting from my point of view. But <laughs> yes, I did try. Let it be known. We're, we're scoring very well in all the key areas around engagement, memorability, and importantly, you know, Australianness, and um, and particularly being recognised as a tier one fuel brand. So they're all they're all important 
aspects of the work that we wanted to get out there. But in terms of scale, it's big. Look, you know, it, 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 I just think that, you know, you don't get very many opportunities in your career to do something exactly like this. And, um, you know, and we're all very proud to have been part of it. I'll ask Jenny the, the budget number because I have seen some numbers swirling around and in, um, in uh, some of the business press about what's you know the, the investment behind this and it's it's you know it's quite significant but but in terms of this collaboration process that you talked about um, Anthony uh, between Ampol and all its agency partners including Houston to your point which is the brand the the, the brand redesign just give us the process of this did you all get together straight up it was 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 Jason and his team at iProspect in Houston how did it all work was there a big meeting of the minds in a service station somewhere or what happened? Made a lot of a lot of big meetings of the minds um, have happened over the time period. I would just say that, without giving you the minutia of the boring detail of the number of meetings and all the rest of it, it's been a, a thoroughly professional and, and well managed process from Ampol. But importantly, I think you know credit to you know Stu uh, O'Brien and Houston for for their brilliant sort of brand brand work at the you know in terms of brand design and architecture um and design system at the beginning you know from from the way that we've worked with iProspect and and the way that Jenny's team is you know we we, we've had a regular ongoing check-in process through the whole thing we've had a lot of things thrown at us that have come from out of the blue for, for for various reasons and um we've all just managed to you know take it on board and, and find a solution and, and get it launched. And, you know, I think just, you know, to, Jenny, to Jenny's point, one of the other, you know, comms is one thing and branding and design, that's all one thing. They've had to change many, many more, but they've already done 400 forecourts in, in, in you know, 12, 12 months. And it, that's a massive undertaking. Yeah, and a big part of the branding, right? That's that's an important part, Jenny. I guess is 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 is, is the on the physical presence is a really important part of of this whole shift. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's where the rubber hits the road from a, a brand perspective, and you know, we know our frontline operations team has been absolutely integral um, in the delivery of the brand. You know, to to Ant's point, it's one thing to have the brand assets and to have this beautiful campaign, uh, which we're all really really proud of. But if the customer's lived experience isn't what we promise it to be. Uh, when they walk across our threshold on our forecourts, then uh, then it, it kind of all falls down. So, um, you know, our frontline um, staff, both in the stores that we own and, and through our distributor um, partners as well, um, you know, has really matched um, the promise. And I think that's what customers are really resonating with. You know, they feel this renewed rejuvenation of the brand and they're experiencing, um, you know, this great energy from our stores when they walk in. So um, I think that it's that powerful combination um, that's really propelling this brand forward. I want to get to Mike in a minute on the creative process, but Jason, just um, on the media front with iProspect, this collaborative process, sometimes, you know, you hear different stories of uh, creative going first and media being second and media being second and creative sort of gets lagged behind. In terms of this process and the insights that came from, you know, the, the media insights that, that, that you guys uncovered there, can you give us a sense of, of how that worked and whether, you know, the creative guys were kind to the media people and vice versa in this one? Look, there's been, um, as, as Anne said, there's a, a hugely collaborative effort um, that's been undertaken here. Um, you know, I say we, we meet with the, the Saatchi teams. Prior to the launch, we were kind of catching up daily. Um, right. So there's a huge amount of collaboration. The, the, the scale of this campaign, putting this into market, um, and the detail required around it, just, just need, we just need, all needed to be on the same team. And we've definitely 
operated that way and we continue to do so. Um, so it's, it's a testament to all of the team that have been working so well together um, that have made this campaign come to life as it has. There's a lot of moving parts. And so the, just that, that, it, that it sort of positioning for Ampol, uh, Jason, and how that flowed through to media planning strategy and what audiences were and so forth, was there anything surprising in that or different that you had to do? Um, look, the, for us, you know, the, the whole media strategy has been built around um, a platform of fueling better journeys. Really, for, from a, if we're going to try and break that down, we focused on channels that have provided access to journeys, big and small, um, emotional and functional, and then within these moments and channels, thinking about how we can ensure what we're doing is actually adding value. And then finally, making sure there's a clear link back to Ampol um, and what it provides as a brand and service. Because really, Ampol hasn't, you know, for, for people um, under the age of, well, it hasn't been around since 1995. So anyone under the age of 25 wouldn't really have a memory of the brand at all. So the challenge has been to kind of both reawaken the brand for those older Australians, but also like introduce it to a new brand of Australians who've never encountered it. So Mike, you're, I'm always intrigued by the creative process. Um, so let's talk. Firstly, I think you're probably over 30, so you remember Ampol. Was that true? Just, yeah. For, just, yeah, good. But listen, how long did it take to crack the, crack the idea, Mike? Um, was it cracked in a shower? Was it a bath? The classic stuff that I, you know, the generalist bollocks that journos like to try and find, uh, which is, was it a bath, a beanbag at the office? Where did you creative dudes come up with uh, what you came up with? And and I think I think you mentioned it was, in, in fact, it was the youngest creative team that actually landed the idea. Look, Look, I think um, it's amazing. Everyone's been so nice, uh, saying all these really lovely things about uh, the the operating, uh, the way we all work together. And it sounds like advertising is almost perfect, but you yes. know the reality of it is it's very far from uh, in terms of the creative aspect, right? Because there's a lot of moving parts that have to come together in a way to to make it work. And I think. Um, you know, coming up in a, with an idea like this, uh, Paul, it, there's so many layers to it, but I guess it started in, in a really insightful place. You know, uh, Australian-born world-class, first and foremost, you know, is, is a pretty powerful uh, statement to, to be able to convey. Um, so it actually gives you something incredibly ownable in market, something that you can automatically debunk your, your competition, right? So you're already ahead right there. Secondly, you're bringing back a brand that is kind of perceived as being cool, you know, the, the, it, by, by looking at Ant's cap, right? It's a shame people won't be able to see it, but, no. you know, there's a lot of retro in it and we know these brands are all coming back because they have a coolness to them. Uh, and I think that, again, gives us another sort of asset. And then the, one of the first points you mentioned right at the beginning, which was, you know, KFC. Globally, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of a, a, a sort of, are bringing back of these iconic older brands. You know, KFC changed their brand many, many years ago from Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they've gone back to Kentucky Fried Chicken now, and they've gone back to the old original branding. Again, there's powerful assets at play here. So for us, uh, coming up with the idea, I mean, it wasn't easy. It was far from. Uh, we, we, were, we were working on this for months and months and months, and we deliberated and, and you know, essentially rewrote the brief several times to, to help us get to where we were. So I'm not going to lie um, or try and soften that. It was difficult, but I think that's what happens when it's difficult because uh, you're trying to create something unique. Yeah, Mike, just on that, though, before we get to the, where the idea come from, because I'm busting to hear that, but you were in it certainly through COVID, that Australian thing, 
thing, you were in, a, in an increasingly crowded sort of area, right? Because a lot of companies were trying to hitch their britches to that Australianness um, to take advantage of or align themselves with the, with the new mood. I mean, you had Coles in the Australian way. You probably got close to sort of something like that yourself, I'd imagine. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, to be honest with you, we came up with that exact same um, line based on, and I think you're right, in, 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 there was a lot of forces at play at that, at that specific time. We're all locked down. We're all localised. We can't travel. We've got to, we would have got to kind of lean the hell right into Australia, kind of convince people to stick local. Well, they don't really have a choice, but in terms of being locked down within the nation and the borders. But yeah, it was trying to find a unique way because there's a point with the, you mentioned up front as well, like do people really care about Australia? Um, I think they care about Australia when it's world-class. You know, because a lot of the time I think what we look at, what punters look at is the world creates better. The rest of the world could potentially create better, could potentially create more innovation and create a more better quality items or products and whatnot. And I think we tend to kind of lean into that more so. The reality is locally, we're just as good, if not better, when it comes to certain things. So I think that was also shining a light on that, that as Australians, you know, we, we have just as good of a product as what overseas have or what the rest of the world can produce. And in fact, as Jenny pointed out, um, if not better, meaning aligned to our conditions. So I think that's a really strong point and a valid point um, that, you know, fuel whilst the grudge purchase for, for, for pretty much everyone. I, mean, I don't think you drive into a service station going, awesome, I'm going to drop 120 bucks on a tank of fuel right now. Uh, if I can get a decent coffee with it, it makes me a little bit happier. Yeah, exactly. But what the benefit is you might drop 120 bucks in your car, but look at what it gets you. Look at where it takes you. And I think we the, the leap for us or the creative kind of leap was forget about the physical uh, product and the cost and the technological benefits or whatever it is around the actual physicality of the product because petrol, let's be honest, isn't that exciting for the average punter? It's complex, you know? Um, But the benefit is look at where it takes me. So to your COVID point, People were trying to travel. We're out trying to get local, visit their families. You know, get out of the. They can't go overseas, so they're they're traveling thousands and thousands of kilometers. I mean, you saw the movements that were happening around the country. You know, people just moving across the country yeah. and camping and traveling. So there's all the couple of forces at play. So that's why that that sort of area we landed on and where we ended up was. You know, it wasn't about being serendipitous, but there was there was there was points at play that really helped us. That that kind of made the the territory kind of really rise of getting back to that whole experience of a nostalgia and pole meaning that that symbol that you still the old logo that you still see. It's pretty straightforward. It's a bit of a no brainer. People were, were were moving around in herds around the country. We're bringing back this beautiful old uh, nostalgic brand. Um, you know, and, and it's a retro and a cool brand now. So it all, yeah. all the forces came together and essentially, you know, leaning into, um, you know, Australians, Australia's own um, and really bringing to life the physical benefit of getting out there on the road and making, reminding people that getting in your car and traveling and going down the coast, up the coast, out west, wherever you want to go was the thing that we all want to do. And that was a problem. When you landed to that, Mike, you got there over a period of time and eventually it sort of crystallised. Is that what happened? Yeah, exactly. So we, we, we came at it a couple of different ways, you know, looking directly at the product and how we can really um, bring that to life, but but more so always looking to the emotional aspect. And I, and I kind of, you know, being being nice, but also being really honest, you know, I, I commend our client 
uh, and the business for kind of going going for the emotional way and 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 sort of not focusing too hard on the product whilst we've done a lot of product work i think for the brand campaign and launching ampol to the australian market you know they they really pushed to go it, it go go emotional and really tap into the psyche of of the australian public and i and i think that's what's done you know really helped actually um get the get the brand out into market because a lot of people that i know that have seen the campaign uh you know whether they're older or younger they kind of love the insight and they love the the love that the fact that we're kind of bringing back and there's such a positive feeling you get out of just kind of wanting to be out on the road visiting your family visiting your friends having a bit of time out reminding you of what you did as a child uh and, you know bringing back the road trip because let's face it you know we, we've stopped doing that for many many years ever since jetstar and everyone came with these cheap flights to bali right windows down on a really hot summer summer holiday driving right that's um that's old, old people remember that and spotto you know remember spotto absolutely was yours a yellow car or what yellow or anything yeah orange, orange. It's yellow for me i'm there jenny mike brings up some really really interesting points there and i, and I guess he talks about the brain and emotional stuff i guess at some point you will get to the functional though there is that you've got products that you want to demonstrate are better they're suited for the australian conditions um i guess there's a functional thing happening at some point is there when does it switch or encompass more uh, already um already in market so um the the way we laid this down strategically to mike's point was really um reigniting the love for the brand and, and launching the brand in market connecting with you know a, a truly genuine understanding of Australian journeys and just unlocking um, that for people. And then, um, you know, that was in April. Um, then by June, um, we laid in um, the more functional product um, advertising. But again, what was beautiful about the product advertising is um, it still connects really well to the, the board strategic territory around far and wide. So still unlocking journeys, but this time instead of from the perspective of the, the person and their journey, it's the perspective of the car and the car's journey. So really, really up close and intimate shots of engines and, and car performance, which has allowed us to then bring out the technical specification of the products um, and tell that story, but still fitting within a campaign. And I think that's what's really brilliant about the campaign that we've got in market is it is such a broad thought. And because it does connect to this genuine experience people have in their lives, you can just continue to write product spots and brand spots. Well, I say that. Yes. I'm sure Mike's sitting there saying, well, might not be that easy. Yeah, th yeah thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Easy for me to review, but, you know, <laughs> it, it really has me meant that we've got this emotional connectivity from a brand perspective, um, but also an emotional connection around a product, which, um, you know, as Perko says, is, uh, is a grudge purchase for people. And so being able to bring those technical benefits to life within a, a more emotive way than, than what we might have um, been able to do before has been that a really be a key benefit for us. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I want sort of both uh, Mike and Jenny's view on this. I guess this is, a, no question, a mass reach campaign in the first instance. Um, how, and we talked about this younger set, you know, so we've got Mr. Retro over there with his cap on and, 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 and it does lift you, Anthony. The, the logo works. I'm, I'm feeling 10 years younger. Yeah, yeah. The, the big issue here, of course, is not those that are, are aware of the brand and, and bring it back, but the younger people, younger people who, who are not even aware of it. Now, how has it landed? Mike, I might start with you first. How did, did you have them in mind? Did you have an under 30, and under 35 in mind to go, we've got to both 
rekindle what it was to people who knew it and we've got to land it with people who don't even know who who Ampol is how did it land and how's it working there what did you do absolutely i mean that was that was critical right from the beginning and i think even as a creative uh, from a creative process we we took it on um that we took that problem on through briefing uh incredibly young or young creatives as well as more senior creatives so i think our youngest team was in their early 20s and then our oldest team were in their mid to late 40s so clearly local Aussies who had experienced the brand and grown up with it uh, like myself versus uh, those that haven't um, so that way you got two ends of the spectrum and you got two perspectives and they they kind of came together were they very different yeah they were but but again I think that the, remember the thing that I mentioned about this sort of whole thing of older older brands are uh, perceived by the younger or demographic as kind of cooler like anything right like all the behaviors that are coming back you know records are coming back all these kind of really cool older things that we loved are now back and they're picking them up, which is kind of a common thread and thing that happens. So, Well, just just for that, on that, my 19-year-old son at university has watched f- the entire series of Friends four times with his uni friends. Go figure that. So, so that, that really did help us and, and, I, and I believe that's why we got to where we got to because uh, we had that av- availability to us. Um, and you know that knowledge from two spectrums and when that connected it made sense you know and similarly you got a lot of really young uh, young kids these days that have really embraced the road trip and whilst we think they right. haven't they have and mm. so the road trip is really key to them because that's that's and, and especially right now right the condition we find ourselves in and maybe we'll be here for for many many more years um, they can't travel young kids you know the part of life in Australia is that the, you get you, you get to 18 19 and the first thing you do is jump on a plane you go to Europe yeah. whereas you can't do that now so the, it's even it's leaning even further into our our positioning and our belief yeah no, great points and Jenny I guess that's where the big challenge for the company was to try and land it with those that hadn't weren't even aware of it so again um, I'll try again how are the numbers looking there um, but it sent to, the sentiment at least is what because I know I'm not going to get anywhere but I thought I'd try look uh, nice try again but look the sentiment's really strong and I think you know that was fundamental to the brief not only from a creative perspective but also from a media perspective that um, Jace might touch on um, a little bit later you know we needed to make sure that we were striking this right balance between reigniting the love and the passion from um, you know people kind of north of 30 um, as well as introducing the brand to, to a new younger um, audience and I think um, because we reached a unifying insight that was based around a human truth and you know about journeys um, and you know connecting to that Australian spirit it really has meant that the campaign has something for everyone and I think it's not often that you can actually find that in a campaign that you know if you can build it around a really genuine insight that means there is something that people can connect with regardless of, um, you know, where they sit on the age spectrum because it's all about an experience. Um, And, you know, that's something that I think has really, really um, resonated strongly in market. And and as I said before, you know, we're seeing it. We're hearing it um, in the research that we're doing and and we're hearing it played back to us um, from, you know, consumers of all, all ages. So uh, so it's really great and, you know, connecting. It might even bring you a new business opportunity and that like sort of licensing and merchandising could be a big thing for Ampol because it's kind of cool. Look at, you know, you've got some, you've got some people in here displaying the logo. Slightly tongue-in-cheek with that one. Um, Jason, off the back of the, you know, sort of the younger and well, bridging those two divides in, 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 the, in the two groups aware of Ampol, what was the initial media strategy and, and where is it morphing now? So what are you trying to do? What did you, what were you trying to do? Broad reach, I imagine. But now 
does it break down a bit? What does it look like? Look, certainly, um, you know, as I said, we needed to you know, reignite this love for the brand, but also introduce it to a, a new set of people who have never encountered it. So it, there's definitely a kind of a, a big, broad media buy attached to this, um, as you'd expect. Um, but there's also been a real commitment to making sure that we're addressing uh, specific audiences directly. Um, and so whether that's through some of our you know, partnerships we've done with the likes of Spotify or YouTube, we've got some big, really exciting partnerships coming up um, with Twitch, Pedestrian and TikTok um, in H2. And those are, those are, you know, these are big commitments that we're making with, the, with these partners um, and some, some really kind of deep integrations that we're doing with them. So there is a very specific buy that's happening there. Um, we've also been really focused on, you know, making sure we're attaching to people's passion points. So a lot of the integrations that we've done uh, with the likes of Fox Sports um, and also indeed the project uh, where we've got like comedian Mel Buttle uh, involved and she's kind of done a charming take on what journeys mean to her. So it's not just been about um, putting ads in market. It's about bringing this whole concept to life. Um, and, and that's really been uh, key to how we brought it to life in media. And so the next six to 12 months on that front, um, Jason, uh, that is more of that. That's what we should be, we will be seeing. You know, we're not going to launch this in six months. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing commitment for sure. And so, um, you know, we're, we're only get, get, getting started, I think. Um, we've, got, we've got a lot more, lot more to do. Um, and there's a continued commitment um, from the business to, to, keep, to keep going. So uh, it's an exciting project, uh, not only for this year, but in, for next year and beyond. I can't wait to look back around in about six months when Jenny can give me the numbers because then we can have a fabulous conversation. But that aside, that's probably the fourth reference in this one that I've done already. I think I might have done my dash. But Jenny, what, what is next? The rebrand of all your service stations, I think, is set to be completed next year sometime. How many is that? How many is it? What does it get to? 1,900. 1,900, right. So we've got a we've got a network of 1,900 stores that we own or, or we partner with customers um, to, to bring the Ampol brand to life. So, uh, look, it is a it is a massive journey that we're on. Um, but it's really only the beginning. So, you know, we've got a purpose around um, powering better journeys today and tomorrow. So the today part is what you've seen. Um, we've launched the re- uh, we've relaunched the brand back in market with kind of a fresh new take on Ampol and re-establishing it in a modern way with customers. Um, and then looking into the future, um, you know, you might have heard about um, our future energy ambitions um, that we've been talking about a lot lately. You know, we are looking at how we continue to evolve our energy products and services with the evolving energy needs of the market. So we want to make sure that, you know, we are the brand for customers today and tomorrow and we understand the needs of Australians and we will continue to refine that understanding. And, you know, we've got this pathway um, over the next kind of 10 to to 20 years of how we will evolve um, to keep suiting those needs. Uh, We've made a commitment to net zero emissions from our operations by 2040. So, you know, really committed to making sure we're investing not only in the future of people, but in the future of our planet uh, and most uh, most importantly here in Australia. So just in terms of projecting forward and, and, and your position around renewables and electric vehicles, and I guess you'll be looking at putting lots and lots of charging stations in and trying to work out how you, you know, you win that race versus the others. When does that start to, just as a teaser, when do we, when are you starting to think about going to market to raise, to, to, to do something about that? Well, we've got um, five um, sites around Australia that we're currently testing our um, electric vehicle charging stations at and um, recently made the announcement that um, as of next year um, in Q1, we will start rolling um, electric vehicle charging out across 
um, our service stations Australia-wide. So we'll be deepening that footprint um, and we've got ambitions to reach 100 next year um, so that we can keep powering people's journeys, you know, and whether that's a fuel product uh, that people will need for, for quite a bit of time yet um, or an electricity product um, in terms of what their energy needs are, we will keep expanding. Um, and we've also got our sights set on um, hydrogen and what we can do to support bigger vehicles um, in hydrogen gas, biofuels, um, you know, that, as you say, this conversation could uh, could take us into, into a whole other realm. But, you know, as a business, it's really exciting to be part of not only unlocking the brand, but also helping to shape and redefine what this brand will mean to customers as we continue to evolve into the future. So really exciting times ahead for us. Yeah, it is. And just putting my hand up to say, whenever you can talk numbers and when we can talk about future energy and where you're going with that, I think it's a, it's an absolutely fascinating. It's really important brand-wise, strategic-wise, and, and, and just commercial full stop it's a it's a and consumer bringing in the, the public and where they're at with it i think we could probably all get on that on that conversation but mac just to build on what jenny said there you know i think the amazing thing about this project is it, it is not a 12 month 18 month two year project this has been you know to the point about ampol being here for the long term um you know their their commitment to zero net emissions and the fact that you know they they are preparing for the next evolution of you know, around alternative fuels etc you know i think the great thing about ampol is they're doing that by being Australian-owned, thinking about what Australians need first. And that's something that did play heavily into the positioning because, you know, all the other Tier 1 fuel brands, they they don't think about Australia first. They they don't think about Australia at all. Um, whereas Ampol does think about Australia in all of their decision-making around, you know, how they're rolling out their strategy, their retail environment, their forecourts, their fuel strategy, their alternative fuel strategy. And I think that's part of the excitement that is is around this project. I mean, whether we'll be around in a decade or two to see it through is another thing, but, you know, the, the brand and the organisation from the board to, you know, the CEO on down are committed to that. Well, Anthony, you keep wearing that cap, it'll keep you young. The conversation was great. So Jenny, Anthony, Mike, Jason, great conversation. Very keen to loop around and, and continue this one, both on how it's tracking with the brand, but also the renewables and the new future of energy. I think that's a really, really fascinating one. I will learn something if nothing else so thanks for joining great conversation uh stay safe thank you thanks back this mi3 audio edition was presented by paul mcintyre that's more producer nick slater music by matt dwyer for more episodes go to listener.com or download the listener app and search mi3 audio edition to listen for free listener